Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Sacktown Movie Buffs. Once again, I'm Kier, and this is Jason, and we are back with another show. We are continuing our list, our top 10 list from every year show. Um, once again, if this is your first time watching, we started with uh, 1995 when we first met, and we're kind of working our way forward to the, the present, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um, so we're already on 2001, man. So uh, this will be our 2000 and top 10 films of 2001, part one. As always, our part one films are going to be our number 10 through our number six, and then we'll do a part two, which has our number five through one with some honorable mentions as well. Uh, but before we get into that, how's everything going? Good. Good. Uh, just had a pretty fun 4th of July weekend. Uh, ate a lot of good barbecue. Shot off some fireworks. Legal fireworks. Uh, all my neighbors had the uh, illegal ones covered. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> Crazy, crazy year, crazy time, but doing pretty good in spite of it. Cool. You? Yeah, same. Just, you know, like I said, just had a great three-day weekend. It was really relaxing for me. I didn't have any kids or anything, so we just kind of hung out at the house and had a, a, some a, another couple over Friday night and, you know, hung out with them for a little bit. But other than that, great weekend and, uh, you know, just off to a, a good start for the week. So, <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, before we get into the list show, um, I keep forgetting, um, we actually, um, so we're doing this new thing now where we are challenging challenging each other for the, the year um, at, on our, the second half of each, if each year, we're going to challenge each other to a film that I haven't watched um, that you recommended for me for like for this year, 2001, and vice versa, a film that you haven't watched that I recommended for you for 2001. And uh, your choice for me was the man who wasn't there. And my choice for you was how high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll go ahead and start with uh, the man who wasn't there. Uh, stars uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, it's a uh, uh, Cohen's brother film, uh, one that I haven't seen. And uh, just just FYI, I'm not a huge, huge Cohen brother film. I have liked a lot of their films. You know, obviously, I, I love Fargo and some of the other ones. Some of them are, are really, really good. Some of them are some of my favorite films. But I don't think I like them overall as much as you do. So, in general. Uh, the Man Who Wasn't There, uh, like I said, serves Billy Bob Thornton and a uh, uh, Francis McDormand is his wife. Um, and uh, basically it is set kind of like black and white. It's based in, in uh, uh, L.A. or I don't remember. California or some, somewhere instead of the California, yeah. like in the 1950s. Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah, 1950s, I believe, is the setting. And he's basically a, uh, uh, works at a barber shop um, with his brother-in-law, who happens, and his wife is Frances McDormand, his brother-in-law uh, is, is, is uh, uh, Frances McDormand's brother, basically. Um, and then she uh, works for uh, uh, James Ganofini's character, who uh, is, uh, runs a, uh, a chain of like strip malls or whatever the case may be. Um, the basic story is that they, um, it's kind of a hard to explain, actually, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think about it. it's kind of a hard film to explain, you know, uh, but, uh, so there's like, cause there's like pyramid schemes. There's like, you know, a guy comes to him with like a dry cleaning business that he wants him to get involved in. Uh, but it's going to cost him like $10,000 to get him, uh, with a, uh, uh, with a, a Billy Bob Thornton's characters, but it's going to cost him like $10,000 to get involved. Um, 
he learns that uh, his wife uh, is having an affair with James Canafini. Uh, so in order to kind of get a payback from him, he basically blackmails him for the $10,000 um, in order to to pay the guy that's doing the dry cleaning business. Uh, uh, James' character finds out about it and, you know, there's a, a struggle ensues and then he ends up basically killing him. Um, and that's kind of where it goes from there. And I don't want to get too much into the spoilers of it. Um, but uh, it's an interesting film. Uh, overall, it was a bad film. Uh, you know, I don't think it would make my top 10 for, for this year. Uh, but it wasn't a bad film. I didn't dislike it or anything like that. I'd probably give it a three out of five. Um, cool. So uh, overall, enjoyed it. Um, you know, not one I'll be buying or anything like that. But uh, not, not their worst film. Um, you know, uh, Lady Killers is probably the yeah. worst for me, <laughs> but uh, but also probably not even close to their best film is, is my overall take. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I I rewatched it too. You know, when I challenged you to watch it because I hadn't seen it in a, in a long time, really right. long time, probably fifteen years or something. Um, and yeah, it's not you know it's not in the upper echelon even for me of their movies. You know, I I think I'd give it like a B plus. You know, um. But I've liked every movie they've made except for The Lady Killers. That's the only one I don't like. I even like Intolerable Cruelty. A lot of people don't like that one. But yeah, I really, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't hate it because I know you're not a huge Coen Brothers fan. But yeah, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a good, good, surprising movie. There's a lot of good twists in there. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks for watching. Yeah, not a problem. Moving on to How High. <laughs> how High. Okay. Uh, I got to be honest. I was dreading watching this movie. Because I don't know why I just had the uh, the I just had the idea that it was going to be a terrible movie. Like I, I'm kind of hit and miss when it comes to like uh, weed comedies, you know. Um, like for instance, like I'm not a half baked fan. I know a lot of people like half baked, um, so I thought it was going to be kind of along the lines of half baked, which I guess it is. But it stars um, Method Man and Red Man as uh, these two uh, potheads who, for different reasons, end up needing to go to school go to college and uh uh it's kind of a convoluted series of events but they end up smoking some weed that has the ghost of one of their friends in it who gives them answers to, it's it's a long story but they end up in college on a full scholarship and uh you know wackiness ensues um so um long story short i really really liked how high um I thought it was I thought it was really funny. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was kind of it was kind of perfect timing because I just watched Jay and Silent Bob reboot and there's a lot in that movie about how their favorite movie is how high and there's even like a really good like Method Man and Red Man cameo and as it's those funny. characters. Yeah, because when I was watching the Jay and Silent Bob movie and for you guys who don't don't know, we we also did a, a movie review on Jay and Silent Bob uh the reboot. I was actually watching that and they referenced how high in there. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome because Jason's going to be watching both of those films this weekend." So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a blast though. I mean, like, you know, there's some really stupid jokes. You know, at first I was like, "Oh god, this is going to be a long 90 minutes." But um it won me over in a big way. Like it's got a lot of heart, you know, they've got really good chemistry together. There's a really good supporting cast that I didn't realize like Fred Willard and Hector Elizondo and uh, all these really great actors in the supporting cast. And um, it was just really funny. And I liked, I, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're in uh, not that it's a good or bad thing, but we're in a kind of a period right now where everything is very, very politically correct. Very, very politically correct. And I think political correctness is a good thing. You know, it's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining about it. But it's it's kind of 
like really interesting right now to see a movie like this that is so blatantly like offensive like every five minutes there's something happening that it's like oh man they could never make that in a movie these days oh yeah. wow they could never do that in a movie these days oh they definitely couldn't do that in a movie yeah these days. I, yeah no i agree yeah but I, I feel that way about a lot of movies that came out like in the early 2000s or even the mid 2000s and definitely in the 90s where you watch movies and there's like you know all kinds of references to you know uh you know cross dressers or or gay jokes or black jokes or asian jokes oh, yeah. and it was like and you could just make fun of people like free willy you know what i mean and no one and no one really no one really cared no one really got a offended from what I could tell, but as opposed to now, you know what I mean? It's just like you make any kind of joke of any of those sectors, anybody really. And, and, and you know what I mean? And so a lot of those movies like, like that, I don't know, could get made today anyways. So. Right. Right. And again, I think, I think, you know, cultural sensitivity is important. It's a good thing. No, no, uh, I, I'm not arguing that, that that's, that it's, it's, uh, I guess my point is, is there, there is a, a fine line I feel like, and I feel like, you know, and, and, Comedians will tell you the same. We've kind of crossed. We're crossing over into a line where you know we're we're censoring free speech at this point. You know, to some degree. You know what I mean. So, and I think that that you know, so it is kind of refreshing sometimes to watch a film like that where it is so you know politically incorrect. And you know, you can still watch it and and, and laugh and still have a, an overall decent or good time. So, um, so there's right. something said about films that came out you know, back in those days, um, you know what I mean? Um, that, you know, we're, we're fun and it was kind of tongue in cheek and they weren't really necessarily trying to be, you know, in your face with it. You know, it wasn't, you know, Mississippi burning or anything like that. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, there, there's definitely a fine line to walk with, with those types of films, but, um, right. what, what right. was your, uh, what was your overall grade on that then? Oh, I gave it, I gave it a solid B. You know, it was oh, cool. like three and a half out of five, but that's also probably because I was like, I, you know, it, it's one of those movies, you know, it's hard to start a movie with a clean slate. You either, you know, you go in like expecting that it's going to be good or expecting that it's going to be okay. You know, bottom line is I went into this with low expectations. Right. So there's fully, you know, the, the chance that I could watch it again later on without that kind of negative, oh, this is going to suck mindset going in that i might i might raise that even you know because ultimately i did really have a good time watching it surprisingly cool. so i'm glad you challenged me to that movie because uh, <laughs> I, I probably never would have watched it of my own free will <laughs> so and likewise i never would have watched the man who wasn't there probably so yeah, yeah. so cool good experiment cool. well with that said let's get into it man let's get into our, our real top 10 of 2001 so cool. yeah. uh, let's start with number 10 for you Number 10 for me, I don't know if you know this movie, but it's one of my favorites. Um, it's called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So I've heard of it. Is, I've never seen okay. it. Okay, yeah. Um, so this is a movie, well, it's a musical, so it's not, you know, not your not your cup of tea exactly. But it is based on a uh, off-Broadway play um, about, it's kind of a convoluted story, but it's basically about a, a kid growing up in Germany who has to have a sex change operation to come to America and it gets botched, botched sex change operation, winds up in America alone, neither man nor woman really, and starts a rock band. And that's, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, it's, you know, it's one of those, you know, there's a million like that. Right. So uh, it's a really, it's a really, it's a very funny movie. It's a very uh, touching kind of coming of age movie. 
and it's got great songs in it. Um, it's still a show that is still being produced. I know Neil Patrick Harris played the lead role recently on Broadway, I think. So it's just, um, if you're a fan of rock musicals, and I am, um, I think uh, Hedwig and the Angry Ranch is a great movie. So that's my number 10 for 2001. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Based on your description of it, probably will never see it. <laughs> but uh, cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, good choice. Good choice. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> oh, moving on to my number 10, I guess, um, which is completely different than that, obviously, uh, which will be the score, ah. which uh, has Robert De Niro, Edward Norton, Angela Bassett, Marlon Brando. That is basically a heist film. Um, if you haven't seen that one, obviously, um, the main two leads are Robert De Niro and Edward Norton. Robert De Niro is kind of like the experienced uh, heist guy, if you will. Um, and they end up, uh, and uh, Edward Norton's character is kind of like the newer guy, ends up basically finding um, this scepter that's like made out of gold or whatever that's locked away in like this museum type place or whatever case may be um and i think they're in paris i don't remember what city they're in but anyways they're they're overseas somewhere um in europe somewhere and um he ends up infiltrating this this museum place by playing someone that has down syndrome another movie that i don't know could get made necessarily today but that somebody might get offended if they didn't use a real a person that actually has down syndrome but i guess the, that's the whole point of it is that he's He's, he's faking his, yeah. the, the Down syndrome in order to infiltrate and get access to keys and stuff like that. Um, and basically kind of pairs up with uh, Robert De Niro's character in order to uh, uh, figure out a ways that they can boost or, or steal this scepter. Um, so it kind of goes from there. So it's basically a heist movie. Um, 2001 was actually a pretty good year for heist films, actually. So, um, uh, But um, one of my favorites, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, watched it a few years ago. Um, it still still holds up for me pretty well. Um, like I said, it's number ten, so it's obviously not you know my favorite film of that year. But um, I always enjoy that one. So it's just a fun film. It's short and um, it's got a lot of pretty interesting twists and turns. I feel like in it. Um, and like I said, just just kind of a, just a fun heist film. If you're in the mood for watching a good heist, this is definitely one to go with. That's my number ten. The score. Cool. Yeah, I don't. I barely. I barely remember that one to be honest. I know I saw it. But it's kind of like in the same uh, boat with like the Italian job for me, which is like I know you like that one too, but it's like uh, I like heist films in general. So yeah, I like heist films in general too. But those two, like I don't know, they came out around the same period, and I just I don't remember anything about them. So, All right. but hey, I'm glad you like it. Cool. <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's number ten for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number nine. Okay, number nine is one of my all-time favorite comedies, um, and that is Wet Hot American Summer. Mm. So, yeah, this is a, uh, a spoof. In general, it's a spoof of summer camp movies, you know, like uh, Meatballs, those kind of movies. Uh, and it's set in the 80s. Uh, it's got a really great cast. Paul Rudd is in it. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, Janine Garofalo, uh, Molly Shannon, Amy Poehler. Uh, let me see, what's his face? Uh Bradley Cooper is in there before anybody knew who Bradley Cooper was. So um, it is, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, it's a very, it's not like your average spoof. It's not just like uh, your ordinary, like satirical comedy. It's, it's pretty out there and it's pretty crazy. Um, but if you're on the particular wavelength that this movie's on, it's, it, 
like every time I watch it, I'm like, I'm out of breath. I'm laughing so hard. And there's a scene between uh, Paul Rudd and Janine Garofalo that doesn't even have any dialogue. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, it involves a lunch tray, if that's a, if that's a tip, but um, it's one of my all time favorite comedies. Um, I can, I, it never fails to make me laugh when I put it on. Um, and the director, uh, yeah, David Wayne went on to make uh, role models, which is another one of my favorite comedies, but I think he's never topped wet hot American summer for me. So that's my number nine. I am. I almost even put it up higher, but that's my number nine. Cool. Um, yeah, I remember seeing it years ago. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I didn't, it didn't stick with me. I personally prefer role models to this one. That one was a little more memorable for me personally, but um, uh, but I do remember it having some funny parts to it. So cool, good choice. Maybe one I'll revisit someday. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Watch yeah. it tonight. Yeah, no, it won't be tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, my number one nine is definitely going to be a film that you don't care for because you don't like any of these films. Um, so, um, and there's a long series of these films. So we'll be doing this every single oh, year. No. Maybe oh, no. <laughs> my number nine no. is going to be the Fast and Furious, uh, baby. Fast and Furious. <laughs> Heck Sorry, yes. I fell, I fell asleep. I fell asleep. Heck yes, baby. <laughs> Fast and Furious. Hey man, I love them. I love the films. They're just—I know—they're like crazy and over the top. Uh, this one's actually a lot more simple. Um, you know, they were just like regular like boosters. They were stealing like CDs and CD players and like stuff like that, like car radios and stuff. Um, you know, and then they were a little bit more about the racing. They did like the drag racing and stuff like that. Um, obviously, has. Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, all those guys. Um, obviously, they've added new characters over the years, uh, you know, with the Tyrese and, and Ludacris, all those other guys and stuff. But uh, this was more the original. The original crew with uh, Jordana Brewster and uh, Michelle Rodriguez. And, um, and I, I don't know. I just love all those films. Um, I think they're fun. Um, you know, they, they, they know that they're, especially now, they know they're cheesy. They know they're over the top. Um, and they don't, they don't try to hide it. And I like that about it. I like that they, you know, that they do crazy stunts. And this was another one where, you know, the stunts, they did a couple crazy things in there, but it wasn't as, as, as crazy. It was a little bit more simple. Uh, but um, it's just a fun film. I just, I love car race films. And this was definitely um, one of my favorites, obviously, of that year. And uh, yeah, just love it. Great film, man. Definitely. They're all good. I like them all. Well, yeah, they're all the same thing. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I don't, I don't hate them really. I don't, I don't hate them. I just, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm just over them, I guess. I mean, I remember seeing that in the theater, you know, and I liked it. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. Um, it was just a you know pretty solid movie. And actually, let me see. I like the, but it, I, I, the only problem I have when you say stuff like that is, is, but then, you know, you'll watch part 21 of a Michael Myers film or a Jason film or something like that, which we can argue is all the same thing over again. Also, no, they aren't, they aren't. That's the thing. Like if you watch some of those slasher franchises, they go crazy places. They go to space. They completely they will be going to space and the yeah, next pass. They do all yeah. that. They, they step up their game as well. They freaking drive cars out of airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, okay. so you uh, yeah. say yeah. it's just you just you know you just make arguments to what your genre is basically. So, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, but you know, I like I, I like 
I, I don't I don't hate them. In fact, the the fifth one, Fast Five, I think I thought that was a pretty great movie. Um, I think that's probably my, that might be my favorite of the series. I know everybody likes the uh, the seventh one, six or seven, the one that Paul Walker died in. I think everybody likes that one, uh, but for me, I like Fast Five was probably my favorite of, of the series. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not excited about them anymore. You know, it's it's uh, you know, yeah, and they're all so long. See, that's another thing. Uh, you know, say what you will about Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, those movies, they get in and out in 90 minutes. And, you know, they, contrary to popular opinion, they do, they do a lot of creative things over the course of, you know, a million movies, you know, not saying that the Fast and the Furious movies don't, but like, at least they do it in 90 minutes. Whereas there's no reason for a Fast and Furious movie to be almost three hours long. There's just not, it's, it's, it's mostly filler. You know, and it's just like there's no suspense. There's no suspense because you know all the main characters are going to make it out just fine. So it's just not my cup of tea, really. But you have a couple of them in the film, so that's not exactly true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) hey, I don't hate them. I'm glad you like them. Yeah. Cool. Moving on to number eight. Number eight. So uh, speaking of heist, a heist movie that I do really like. Uh, my number eight is Ocean's Eleven. Cool. So this is, I'm guessing, in your top ten, somewhere a little higher. Yeah, probably. it's going to be on the next show. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Higher. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could easily be for me in my top five because I love Ocean's Eleven. I think to me, it's like just the perfect heist film. Um, I'm a big Steven Soderbergh fan. I think it's one of his best films and proof of how versatile he is as a filmmaker. Um, you know, I mean. I think everybody's seen Ocean's Eleven at this point. If you haven't, then you should definitely should. To me, it's just like a perfectly cast, perfectly made, really, really funny, really, really suspenseful. It's just pretty much a perfect movie. So, I mean, Ocean's Eleven, it's it's a great, great heist movie. Um, that's my number eight. I guess I don't have much to say, but it's, it's a heist movie about as well done as it could possibly be, I think. So, Definitely. Great. Well, I, yeah, I, I love it. Like I said, we already alluded to it. It'll be um, higher up on my list. But um, yeah, I, it's a great heist, heist film. Um, I like the second one also, um, Ocean's 12. Um, uh, I felt like after that, it kind of, you know. But um, I definitely, um, that one was obviously the, the the best, in my opinion, of the, of the series. Um, but um, yeah, just like I said, just really, really good heist film. Great cast, very funny. Um, you know, uh, great, yeah, great film. Yeah, definitely nothing, nothing negative to say about that one at all. So, yeah, yeah. My number eight is going to be Kiss of the Dragon. Uh, I knew this was going to be there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. It's, uh, you know, Jet Li, Bridget Fonda, uh, set in, um, in Europe also. Um, just fun, you know, it's good action film, great martial art films. I'm always a sucker for action and martial arts, kind of my genre. Um, but, um, you know, this one is good. It's actually funny in a way because, you know, his English isn't the best. Um, so it's kind of funny on that. And then the villain's very funny also. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, so basically, uh, Bridget Fonda, he, uh, he's there for like a job, um, to like, for like an investigator and some things happen and, you know, he ends up finding some things out that he shouldn't have found out. And then they end up like, he ends up being like chased and attacked. Um, she plays a, a like a prostitute in the film that's like, um, wanting to get like in a druggie, uh, wanting to get like, or well, not necessarily druggie. They're like 
giving her drugs basically against her own will. Um, and then she's also wanting to get her daughter back and they end up kind of like teaming up in a, in some way. Um, cause they both have kind of, the, they're both after basically the same bad guy in a way. So, um, which is a good martial art films, great action. Uh, uh, it's got a really interesting hip hop soundtrack for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but, um, but I always thought that was always kind of funny. Um, but no, I just, just definitely one uh, that I really enjoy and one that I break out all the time and watch is just one of those really fun, fun, good action films. So if you like martial arts, definitely check out Kiss of the Dragon. Yeah, I love I love Kiss of the Dragon. Um, I remember we we saw it together. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. But at least a couple times, probably. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a really it's not in my top ten, but it's definitely in the runner up. So I think it's it's one of my favorite uh, martial arts movies, and I think it gets gets kind of it's kind of been forgotten. It seems like I mean I don't nobody ever really brings it up, which is too bad because it's really really yeah. good, really strong action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be my favorite Jet Li film. Maybe I don't know. So. I think it would be for me, but I'm not an expert either. I'm not. I don't know too. Yeah, many I'd have to really think about it. But it, it might be my favorite Jet Li film. So. Yeah, I like it more than Romeo Must Die. Definitely, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Number seven. Number seven. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven. Yeah. yeah. Number seven is. Uh, I know it's one of your favorites for sure, uh, and that is Moulin Rouge. <laughs> See, I told you our, our top tens are going to be pretty different this time. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, anybody who's paying attention knows that I I like musicals. You don't like musicals, so that's that's pretty much all she wrote for this one. I know, but uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big Baz Luhrmann fan for the most part. Like, I really like Strictly Ballroom. I like Moulin Rouge. I like Romeo and Juliet that he made. I like uh, The Great Gatsby. The only one I didn't like was Australia. Uh, but yeah, this is a it's a uh, Oscar-winning uh, musical. Uh, it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet story. Ewan McGregor, uh, Nicole Kidman, and this movie, for good or or bad, bad in your opinion, uh, this movie kind of uh, kicked the door back open for musicals because musicals are all over the place now. Um, but when this movie came out, I think it was the first movie in like 15, 20 years, like the first. Uh, like Hollywood musical in like 15 or 20 years. It was just, it was kind of a dead genre. And this kind of brought it back. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This kind of brought it back. And I just, I, this is, it's hundred percent, not for, not for everybody kind of movie, but for me, I, I really like the, the crazy world that this takes place in where it's not, not nowhere near reality. It's just kind of this fantasy world. That's kind of supposed to be Paris in the 1920s, but it's not. It's like this crazy dream world that brings in all these different decades. The soundtrack is great. Uh, it's like a medley for the most. I think there's a there's at least one original song in there, maybe a couple. But for the most part, it's a medley of songs going all the way up to the 90s uh, when you know the movie was made in 2001, obviously. So it's obviously not going for any kind of realism. Um, but I like that. I like I like crazy fantasy stuff. So. I'm a huge Moulin Rouge fan. That's my number seven for 2001. Easy. All right. Um, 
Yeah, we, we already covered that. Yeah, and in fairness, I'm not a big musical guy to begin with. So I just, like I said, I, I've said this before in previous shows. It, it it's, it's jarring for me when characters break out in song and dance multiple times in a film um, for no reason. Um, so for me, I just I just don't get into it. It kind of takes me out of the scene personally. So, um, but uh, yeah, not not one that I would watch again or 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 say that i enjoyed or liked or anything and i know i'm not the only person that, that feels that way about it so um oh, yeah. but yeah yeah no no definitely not but then again no films for everybody so that's that's the beauty of film we can have many different various you know variety of tastes and styles of film that we enjoy um and musicals are definitely a style of film that i particularly don't enjoy <laughs> so um but uh, yeah but that's just me so Cool. Um, moving on to my number seven. I actually don't own this one, so I'm going to bring this one in. So, and uh, and I haven't seen it in many years, so my description of it's going to be very brief. So. <laughs> uh, my number seven is going to be Monsters Ball. So yeah, yeah uh, another great Oscar-winning film as well. Um, you know, obviously uh, Holly Berry won an Oscar for this one, and it's really more of a drama, but it's really. Um, it's been described to me from other people has been kind of depressing because they both have it's Billy Bob Thornton and um, and uh, and uh, Holly Berry and then it's also got a um, uh, uh, who's the I don't know. they have the main characters though. huh Heath Ledger Heath Ledger, yeah, Heath Ledger. Um, before he passed away yeah so it's got Heath Ledger as well in there um, and uh, yeah, it's a really it's a it's a drama. Um, you know, it's mostly centered around around uh, Holly Berry's character and and her. Um, uh, you know, she's had a lot of you know heartache and pain in her life. Her you know her husband's up for like death row. There's, she's got a son and he he gets in an accident and so it's just a really kind of just sad film in that regard. Um, and then you know obviously Billy Bob Thornton's got his own issues with and then. Heath Ledger's in there as, as a son and his issues and that kind of stuff. So um, um, it's a kind of a darker, you could say it is, you know, depressing in the sense, but um, the acting is just so good that um, I just enjoy it. Um, it's just like one of those really good films that, um, you know, just has really good acting. The subject matter you might not necessarily be a big fan of in that sense, but um, it's, you know, got great acting, uh, great story. Uh, like I said, Holly Berry won an Oscar for, for uh, supporting best supporting actors, I believe in this role. Um, I think that was what you got, but, um, but yeah, just, just really I think it's best, best actress, I think. Oh, no, best actress. I'm sorry. Yeah. Best yeah. actress. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was supporting or best actress. I know she won an Oscar for it though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just like I said, I just a really good film. I really enjoy it. I don't own it personally. And I haven't seen it in many years, but I do remember the acting being, being really, really good and being really blown away um, by, by the story. And, and like I said, especially her acting and there's like, it's really great. Cause prior to this, she hadn't really done anything. Like, you know, I knew her, Obviously, we, she's been a star for years, but prior to this film, there wasn't really a whole lot of movies that I would say was like a defining acting, you know, playing like Catwoman and, and you know what I mean? Stuff like that. There's been a lot of roles that she did that, you know, whether you liked it or, or not, Swordfish, you know, stuff like that. Nothing that was going to like generate. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't getting an Oscar for that movie. You know yeah, what I mean? This was the first role that she was in where you could say, okay, yeah, she definitely can act really good. You know what I mean? Like not that her acting was bad or anything like that before, but this was like the first defining moment for her. I felt like, so yeah. I don't oh, remember yeah. what she did after this, that, that um, I don't think she's ever made a movie that quite tops her acting performance in this one, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Great film. So 
Yeah, I, I, I love that movie. Uh, but like you, I, I do have the DVD, actually, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. In fact, in 2001, you know, I was already, you know, both of us were already doing our top 10 lists. Um, and it was in my top 10 that year. But I didn't put it in my top 10 this year because I can't, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember a whole lot about it because I haven't seen it in almost 20 years, to be honest. I watched yeah. it a lot. I watched yeah. it several times when it was a new release. But it's been probably you know 17 years since i watched it 16 17 probably i'm guessing but um maybe if i watch it again maybe i'll be like man i should have put that in my top 10 because it was at the time but um it's definitely in my runner-ups and it's definitely a really like really powerfully acted film uh you know all three of the leads are really great um and i remember this movie and one other movie that year like for a while there it seemed like uh sean combs uh, you know, P. Diddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was acting. Yeah, he's uh, he's in another movie that will be on my, uh, I, I, on my list somewhere as well. I kind of thought it would be. Yeah, but those two. Uh, well, I don't know. But it, it'll be on my list. So. Okay. <laughs> it okay. might be honorable. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's honorable for me, too. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his, his, he, yeah. I thought he was going to be like a. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought Diddy was going to be like this, you know, you know, budding action, star, you know, budding uh, star, star in films uh, because he was really, really good in here. And he's also really, really good in the other film as well. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he's, you know, I was like, oh, wow. And both of them came out the same year. So I was like, wow, he's, he's you know, he's getting into acting now. He's going to be the next LL Cool J or something. You know what I mean? But it never yeah. happened for him after. Yeah, and there were <laughs> so. cool choices, too. They were like independent films. You know what I mean? There's yeah, like- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, was, he wasn't playing his typical character. You know, on this one, he's like a death row inmate. And um, the other one is, is made. I was just yeah, saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's kind of like a, a he was more closely to his own character in that one I feel like he was like yeah. a kind of a, a mobster type guy in that one but yeah but yeah definitely um yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened to him after that so yeah oh well oh well they love you but yeah cool. good choice cool all right we're already on number six man all right number six uh for me uh is ghost world so ghost world uh this movie is a it's a kind of a coming of age story it uh it stars uh thora birch who uh just a couple years before that had been in american beauty which was a really big hit and uh she was the kevin spacey's daughter in that movie and it's kind of interesting because she is the lead in ghost world and there is this uh unknown at the time basically unknown at the time actress uh, playing her friend, Scarlett Johansson. And of course, Scarlett Johansson. The biggest star of everybody in that film, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Became like a huge star. And she was kind of, you know, Thora Birch was the big deal when Ghost World came out. And then she pretty much fizzled out over the last couple of years. I don't even know what she does anymore. She was in the last Black Man of San Francisco, but. Yeah, wait, she was in uh, uh, The Walking Dead. She was in The Walking Dead the last season. She yeah, played, uh, I, I don't watch it anymore. Nobody no, does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Nobody watches that show anymore. I, I barely watch it, but uh, uh, <laughs> she was actually pretty good in that in that last season, uh, latest season, because it's never going to end. But anyway, uh, she plays this kind of uh, oddball uh, high school student. I can't remember. Recent graduate. Like, yeah, recent graduate. Of course. Yeah, that's. I was trying to remember. Yeah. So she plays a, uh, a a recent graduate of high school, and Scarlett Johansson is her friend, and, and both of them are kind of outcasts, uh, kind of self-styled outcasts. They kind of enjoy being outcasts, um, and they 
are really not sure where to go in life. And Thora Birch meets this kind of fellow outcast played by uh, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi, I never quite know how to pronounce that, but uh, he's kind of this also outcast who's a rec you know record collector, loner, and they kind of form a bond, Thora Birch and him. Um, and it's just it's just a really good coming of age story. Um, it's one of Steve Buscemi. It's one of his best performances, I think. Um, and it's uh, directed by Terry Zwigoff, who also directed a documentary about Robert Crumb uh, a couple years before that, which was really great. So he kind of also went off into nowhere. He made like two really great movies and then kind of disappeared. But uh, Ghost World is a really unique, uh, really atmospheric, really, you know, there's a million kind of like we were talking about in our the show we just reported. There's a million underdog stories. Um, there's a million and there's probably 10 million coming of age stories. But this, I think it really does stand apart. It's kind of unlike any other coming of age story. So number six for me is, and this is my snazzy new Criterion Blu-ray, Ghost World. So cool. That's my, yeah, yeah I, you know, I don't own this film. I, I really, I just rewatched it actually this weekend. It was one of the films I watched over, over the, um, the 4th of July weekend um, just yeah. to rewatch it. Um, I knew it was going to, potentially it was going to make my list. I didn't know if it would make my top 10. It ended up not making my top 10. Um, but um, but I didn't want to rewatch it just to see uh, how it how it held up for me. Uh, it doesn't quite hold up as strongly for me as it, as it did when I first saw it back in 2001. I, I really liked it in 2001, but watching it now, it uh, it doesn't quite hold up quite as well. And um, and I don't know, the second time watching it in many, many years, I don't know if I've only seen it the, the two times, but, um, you know, Thor Birch's character just kind of annoys me <laughs> now, you know what I mean? When I watch it, she's just, like, really annoying to me, you know? So I don't know. So I kind of I kind of fell down. I still really enjoy it. I think it's still a really good film. Steve Buscemi is really, really good in there as well. But her character just gets in her own way and it's just really kind of annoying and, and definitely, you know, I was, like, almost wish that, you know, you know, someone else was the, the, the more main character and she was kind of more the side character. <laughs> so, um, were you going to say? Yeah, I, I was going to wait till you were done. But I, yeah, I, I was just going to say, yeah, overall, it's still a really good film, uh, but it did definitely fall down the ladder a little bit for me. So I don't, I don't like it quite as much as I did um, when I first saw it back in 2001. So, okay. Yeah. I think what you brought, what you said, like it, it made me think something uh, that's kind of interesting about movies because I think something like that, it kind of depends on what age you are too, or like where you are in your life. Cause I remember when I first saw it, like I identified with uh, Thor Birch, you know, because I was younger. And then now when I watch it, I do. Yeah. She's kind of a brat, you know, but I think it's because I'm older, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, and I don't know, we, we've had this conversation about these, these teen comedies and stuff, you know, and I know you, you like a lot of them, you know, a lot of these like teen com female teen comedies that we've been talking about, you know, book smart and all these other ones, you, you tend to like a lot of these. And um, as I get older, I, I don't like them for some reason quite as much. Um, and this one is more quirky. It's not quite on the same level as of teen comedies as most of them. It's a little bit a different teen comedy for sure. Um, but yeah, as I get older, I, I, I can't relate to them as much. I feel like anymore. Um, it just, just when I watch them, I just, they just don't seem as relatable to me. You know what I mean? I just, I watch, like, cause I watch that. She just, like I said, just seemed like kind of annoying brat 
and you know her, her her best friend you know seemed like she was trying to do something with her life so i sympathize more with her than i do with the annoying brat character that just was in her own way like her friends like you know we gotta get an apartment we gotta get jobs we gotta do this and she's like oh you know she gets a job and you know can't hack it more than a day because she's like rude to customers or you know ask questions that you shouldn't be asking to customers and that kind of stuff and so yeah. really has no direction doesn't care doesn't want to do yeah. anything and so it's really hard to to empathize with a person like that you know now that i'm older I, I can't empathize with somebody being that way you know what i mean and i definitely wouldn't want to be around somebody like that yeah. that's for sure and not only that yeah, she's she pretty like I feel, you know, she pretty much also, you know, ruins Steve Buscemi's life in, in some ways, you know what I mean? Not going too deep into spoilers, but the thing she does to him almost basically ruins his life, his career and everything, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's, you know what I mean? So it's really hard for me to like, be like, oh, wow, this is a real cool character. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, yeah, like, you know, like, I guess when I was younger, like I identified with, you know, she's kind of the rebel, she's kind of the anarchist, the I don't care, the, you know, middle finger attitude. And I identified that when I was younger. And I think now, like, I watch it and I, I sympathize with her because, I mean, that's how young people are a lot of the time. But but she's also pretty bratty. And it's kind of funny that you bring up the Scarlett Johansson character because, you know, again, when I was younger, you know, I, I thought, like, oh, she's such a sellout. You know what I mean? She's such a sellout, you know. But now I watch it and it's like, no, she's actually the one who was, you know, growing up. She's like, like look, we were in high school. Now we're adults. We have to get jobs. We have to kind of start doing some things. We're trying to get this apartment together. And, you know, and Thor Birch's character is just like, yeah, whatever. If we get an apartment, we get an apartment. If we get a job, we get a job. And you know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, who wants a friend like that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, so, yeah, no, and I agree. And you could definitely tell that, you know, they, you know, you could tell that that wasn't going to be a long-term friendship after high school based on yeah. the direction going in life. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so I agree. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, my, uh, yeah, my first half, none of these movies really need introduction. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, So my, my number, my number six for uh, 2000, we're on six, right? Yeah, we're on six. Yeah. My number six uh, for 2001 is going to be training day. Um, I know you're not huge, huge on it, um, but um, you like it, but you don't love it. Obviously, Denzel Washington won an, an Oscar. Everybody's seen Training Day. Ethan Hawke, you know, basically it's another one of those films that's set over the course of one day also. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just forget about this one being over, set over the course of one day. Um, basically, uh, you know, uh, they're uh, narcotics. He's a, narco he's a detective, uh, Denzel Washington, and um, – and Ethan Hawke is kind of like the young rookie that um, is trying to get on his team to be a detective and basically gets in, you know, his, his, his office per se um, is his car. And they basically are going around through like these seedy parts of town and, you know, busting drug dealers and that kind of stuff. Of course, uh, Denzel Washington's character has uh, uh, some other issues going on in his life and that sort of stuff. So he's clearly, you know, he, he comes off as obviously this 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 like really rough, rugged uh, detective, but then you find out that he also has a lot of dirt and uh, and baggage in him as well. So it's got some good action, it's got some good drama, um, decent story set in like Los Angeles, and um, 
Like I said, I I don't think it's I know it's a it's a role that Denzel Washington won won his Oscar for. Um, I don't think it's his his, his, his necessarily best acting performance because you could go Malcolm X, you could go Glory, you could go tons of different roles that he's done. That I think yeah. that his acting performance is probably better. But as far as enjoying the film and rewatching it anytime, I'll watch Training Day before I'll watch Malcolm X personally. Um, even though I think he did a better job, but Malcolm X is also like three hours long or something like that. Yeah. But, um, but you know, for me, it, you know, acting performance, I could, I, I mean, I could, I could see why he won it. But it kind of felt like almost a gimme award for him, you know, because he he had to play a bad guy in order to 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 win an Oscar, is what everybody says, you know. Um, they're like he's done all these great acting roles, and you know, doesn't win an Oscar until he plays a bad guy for some reason. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, I can see that. I can see that point. But overall, you know, I, I enjoy it. I think it's still a great film. Um, I just watched it um, last year sometime. Um, and still enjoy. I still get a kick out of it. Um, you know, like I said, obviously my not my favorite film of that year, but definitely um, a fun film and a good one to watch. So, cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't really have anything against Training Day. Um, I think Denzel Washington is amazing in it. You know, I think he definitely deserved the Oscar for sure. Um, and my thing with Training Day is, and I, I felt you know I felt this way when I first watched it back in two thousand one, and I revisited. It's just a few years ago just to see how it played for me now. And it's more or less the same. Like, I think the first half of the movie is, like, amazing. And I think it's really fascinating, the first half of the movie. And then I just, I, just, I guess I just have an issue of how his character is built up as, like, this really kind of uh, conflicted character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's into some stuff, but... He's not, not full on yet until the second half of the film, kind of. Yeah, and that kind of that kind of ruins it for me a little bit because it's like they build up this fascinating character, this kind of dual natured character, and then like the last half of the movie, he's just the bad guy. You know, he becomes he he goes from being like this kind of almost Shakespearean conflicted character to being just the bad guy that's after Ethan Hawke. You know what I mean? And it's you know that you know there's nothing really bad about that part of the movie it's a you know it's a good action movie uh but I've, i always feel kind of let down that it it builds up all this potential and then it just kind of turns into an ordinary good guy versus bad guy thing you know toward the end but i mean like i don't i don't dislike it you know it's a it's a it's a solid movie you know yeah, yeah. i mean I get, I, get, I get what you're saying but i also understand that if he i feel like if he hadn't made that turn he wouldn't have won an oscar <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like if it was a typical day in the life, and he's just like this kind of, you know, uh, good cop that has some bad tendencies. He wouldn't have won an Oscar for that. He had to, the fact that he goes all the way villain towards the end is what probably got him the Oscar. I feel like so. So it's kind of hard to really argue that. You know what I mean? In in my opinion. So yeah. um, I understand what you're saying, but it's like. If, if it was just a day in the life of, you know, him training with this person that is, you know, less than, I, I, I don't know if he wins an Oscar so, mm -hmm. yeah. or even necessarily nominated for one per se. I, I don't know. So it's hard yeah. to say, but I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll, never know. So yeah. we'll never know. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, uh, we thank you guys again for watching. That's uh, the bottom half of our 2001 top 10 films. Um, of course, we'll have another show where we do the top half. Please stay tuned for that. As always, uh, we appreciate the likes and uh, please subscribe and uh, hit the bell notification uh, so you don't miss our next uh, update or upload for our next video. 
Thank you guys so much for watching, and we hope you all have a great day. Thank you, and bye.